welcome everybody back to the Domcast. This is episode 15. This is the first pod we've done since before All-Star break. Took a little bit of a break with the All-Stars, although apparently I'm not one. But I have brought one to the pod. This is uh, Stefan from Heat Check. It's a very well-known YouTube channel. And if you don't know it, he'll tell you where to find him and what he does. So Stefan, welcome. And thanks for coming on. And let the people know, you know, what type of videos you make, how you got into it, all that type of stuff. And where the people can find your content and i i doubt they don't know where because you're, you're one of the biggest nba youtubers as far as i know thank you thank you first of all thanks for having me on the podcast i know me and you have been talking about collaborating in some sort of way for a while now the only reason why you haven't um you know why we haven't sorted things out for for you to come on my channel is because i'm still struggling to figure out the new studio uh <laughs> for people that watch me uh yeah on my channel heat check I do basketball videos, breakdowns, you know, actions and play calls and stuff like that and player breakdowns. And um, recently I moved to a new studio and I love it. You know, I love what I've been able to do with it, but still there's some sort of, you know, all kinds of problems like echo, like reverb and stuff like that and camera angles. And I need to sort all of that out and it takes a lot of time and I haven't been able to focus on my creativity. Now it's still in the problem solving, you know, stage. Well, it's good. It's good. You know, I do what I love, break down play calls and what the coaches draw up and, and, and stuff like that. And I love it right yeah and a lot of people do i i do as well it's pretty much i would say one of my favorite parts of uh, basketball content at all the content that's out there love breakdowns like b-ball breakdown thinking basketball your channel and um a lot of them have some type of background in basketball what was yours to to where you started doing play breakdowns because you're also I, I would say you're probably one of the underrated ones when it when it comes to that first of all thanks and um first of all you caught me by surprise one time when you tagged me on one of your instagram stories there were some questions one of your favorite you know youtube channels and you mentioned me i was like damn I'm, i've known dom for like a while he's you know one of the more famous famous uh, youtube channels and um usually i don't get recognition recognition people don't really at least american creators don't really know me and so when I saw that, I was like, oh, damn, that, that's cool. That's cool. But um, in terms of me having like a basketball channel, uh, I mean, background, I don't really like a, like a rich history or stuff like that. I train used to used to go to you don't really have that, I believe, school basketball teams. Um, it's more AAU in, in the U.S. and stuff like that. I guess so I guess you could say that growing up I, I played for a couple of years 5-5 five, five, being 5-5 five, five, you cannot really do much <laughs> on the <laughs> so I used to get should I say like a end of the bench type of type of guy who comes in plus 20 or minus 20 you know, <laughs> garbage garbage time I was a garbage time player but um Honestly, it gave me like a, an opportunity to see how the game was being played, you know, from first row. And I've always been in love with the NBA, staying up late for people that don't know. I'm in Macedonia and Europe, so we have a huge time difference. So the game starts at 1 a.m. They end up like, if it's a West Coast game, they end 
6.30, sometimes in the morning. So I've always stayed up late watching games and I feel like my eyes were sharpened up just watching a lot of games and I was always curious what happens, how do, how do players go to different spots, how do they get open, you know. And um, I would say one thing is always rewind the tape. If you don't know what's going on, just rewind the tape, you'll find out a lot of things. Right, right. Absolutely. That's something uh, for your time difference. I meant to mention that at the beginning. It is a six hour time difference. So it's 6 p.m. New York time here where we're recording. It's it's midnight for him. So I know Jazz and Suns just ended. This is on a Sunday when games have come on relatively early. So he's probably been able to see some of those at a regular time. However, uh, and on a normal day, games would just be starting like an hour from now, probably. So, yeah, pretty much like you said, 1 a.m. That is that's crazy. But, you know, got a very got a lot of good content got a very detailed channel to to have to be catching games on the on the flip side of the day so shout out to the dedication for that and for this podcast there hasn't been a lot of basketball since uh last thursday i believe gosh has it been that long already no you know this thursday hasn't been that much basketball since this thursday so we'll just kind of be talking about the season in general mvp race uh the teams that have caught our eye those type of things is is where we're going to be going with it we will move into regular basketball, basketball that matters. And another another one of your recent videos actually was talking about the Celtics and them basically the improvement they've made. So I talk about Boston a little bit. They're, they're making more appearances on the podcast as of late because they're playing better up to this point in the season. I hadn't really believed in them, but this is our chance to kind of dive in a little bit deeper on you know what's happening with them, what's changed and where they'll where they'll possibly be going um in this crazy eastern conference so uh you, you made a video about the celtics what are you thinking about them so far because i did see the word contenders in the title and I, I, as a celtics fan i'm not on i don't know wait first before we even have that convo who are you a fan of what team are you a fan of if at all i'm a knicks fan i've been a knicks fan ah. you know, since the 99 finals but um every year every few years like a few teams that I really love following and um, ever since the uh, conference finals that Boston went to against LeBron you know where they were supposed to have Kyrie and, and Hayward they were got injured and Kyrie as well um, ever since then I kind of liked the Celtics and then the next season Kyrie comes back they shouldn't be really good you know and they weren't and I became started to really criticize them you know don't live up didn't live up to expectations and stuff like that and um i've been you know all, all this time and but um to be honest they something clicked and whenever that's i cannot figure what that something is always check defense what's going on on defense so throughout all of this you know like a winning streak that they had um they put up monster defensive numbers you know um they were like 10, 10 uh, eff efficiency points uh, better than the best defense, which is Golden State, which is like a huge thing. And um, I was like, oh, damn. And I, I see ball movement. I see the ball not sticking. You know, Tatum takes less and less of, of, of his um, isolation shots. So also huge addition. I feel like Derek White fit in nicely with that team. You know, I, I also liked and cheered for for my guy, man, what was the German guy, Schroeder. I also 
chirp or shooter to kind of get his money, you know, <laughs> to get back somewhere close to to what he was supposed to get. But um, having him having him away and and White in the team, it's a huge change. Um, so I, I really I don't know I really feel like they're in the mix because the East is wide open now. You you saw a few nights ago it was. I believe it was last night. Like all of a sudden, Brooklyn beat the the Bucks. Last night, yeah, actually. Yeah, and I'm like, what's going on? Everyone can beat everyone, so I don't know. That that in this kind of a situation, the Celtics are definitely back in the mix. Yeah, it's been a wild, wild season to follow as a Boston fan. So I, everyone who follows knows I've been a. Celtics fan since like 07, 08 when I really started to keep up with basketball. Before that, I was just off and on, but this is the first team I ever actually latched on to. This season in particular, it's been like, first of all, I, I don't re- know what the stat is since it updated. So on Christmas Day, they had a stat. I think Boston was probably 2-10 in, in games that were decided by 5 points or fewer or something. It was something ridiculous to where like their record could have been totally flipped. And so they've had they've had moments like like that day on christmas day against the bucks they've had moments this season where it's where it has you feeling the way that they could be a good team they could be a good team they could be competitive they can compete with this top team it just felt like it never lasted the entire game so it's been like that mostly throughout the year they've been trying to get jason tatum going at the uh at the mvp level i was hoping that he came into the season as they've been trying to get him and jalen brown going at the same time and it, it does I, I you know you brought up all the points basically it's fitting right now because the ball is moving a lot more so it isn't just tatum taking the the toughest shots in the world um the the ball is moving a ton the defense has picked up that's my favorite part about the squad right now because when you talk about the addition of Derek white yes he's fit in for more than just defense by the way he he comes in and plays a very very solid uh backup point guard rule but defensively now you've got Derek white marcus smart uh jalen brown jason tatum all as guys that can defend on the perimeter that's that's a hell of a night for a lot of these squads the way you brought up the standings they are now four well i I could probably do it this way they're six seed they're oh my gosh they are half a game behind the bucks now they could pass the milwaukee bucks conceivably that Yep. That's that's fascinating. They're only a game behind the four-seeded Cleveland Cavaliers. They're only two games behind the 76ers, who I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, yeah, it's, it's an exciting time because I've been more... And I'm wondering what, what you've thought about this because I'm surely, surely you've heard the talks. I've, at this point... It's been, you were talking about in 2018 when they were supposed to go to the finals. It's been around four years or four or five seasons of the Tatum and Brown thing. And we got to this point in the season where things looked so stagnant. I just kind of assumed that, okay, the way the money is, the way the roster is, the next big move kind of feels like it's to break those two up and and trade one and completely retool the team. That's that's what it felt like before they got into this point in the season. So had that been anything that you had been paying attention to or thinking about, like the the eventual end of of Tatum and Brown, uh, we don't really have to think about it as much because right now again they look competitive although i don't think they'll make it out of the east which is eventually the goal so i just kind of wonder if those two will ever make it out of the east together because they've been so close but even this year it just feels like that's really all it'll ever be is them getting close i feel like this was a, a nice like a turning point because from now on i feel like the the talk will get back to oh they just need like a little piece here and there whereas up until this point from the beginning of the season up until now it was like i guess we should break them up and 
I thought about that as well. I was like, that's that's the that's a step to go now. You know, we've seen them for like three or four years. That's I guess this is gonna be their ceiling. I don't know. But I'm, I wanted to ask you since you since you mentioned that you're a Celtics fan, have you seen seen that video? There was a video compilation, and also Brian Scalabrini was um, on a podcast, and he also mentioned that as well. The Robert Williams help defense thing. Have you seen that? I actually haven't. No. The Celtics like they changed something in their defensive strategy to where now they have Robert Williams on the side, often guarding uh, the 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 corner shooter. So if a penetration happens from you know to any player. He just um, goes to help under the basket. So now the the attacking team has to get in some sort of like a rotation to move the ball, and the Celtics get into into def- defensive rotation. They're able to close out. So you don't have Robert Williams spent on a potential pick and roll. You know, if there's a high pick and roll, for example, with the big man, Williams would would be stuck there. Right. They, They they got him away from the pick and roll. They put him, you know, on the corner shooter. Whatever pick and roll situation happens up top, whoever um, gets a driving lane goes to the basket. Robert Williams goes to help there, and that's a much more versatile um, defense for them. And obviously, they're lengthy, they're quick, they're able to then rotate and and help out on 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 the potential path. Right. Yeah, no, that that's a hell of an adjustment. And that's a great way to to use Robert Williams because of his athleticism. That's a guy that I'm so glad we've been able to hold on to because I've been uh, I've been big on Robert Williams since I would say around 2020 when our options were practically uh it was like him or Tice basically I think we were trying to use against the Miami Heat back then so I always wanted more Robert Williams but that is that is definitely an adjustment and it's something that Boston can do like you said because they've got the they've got the personnel for it now uh, you, you've got different ways to mix in lineups to where you can you could be all right with being put in rotation switching scrambling those type of things that you could do it successfully so um Boston man it's they've they've put me through so much over the years and specifically this season i am glad to see it clicking uh nine and one in the last 10 it has been a lot of teams that probably aren't that great so since the calendar year started basically since they've been playing well but i don't care that much because it's like if you used to following this team this year beating teams you should beat this often is an improvement Beating them as consistently is an improvement, and that's what I'm happy to see. And that will open up our conversation for the rest of the East, because even with this win streak and how good they look, this is just, well, first of all, this is easily the most competitive I've seen the Eastern Conference probably in my own lifetime. And you can be a a great team right now and still not stand a chance of actually getting out of this conference. Before we move off of Boston, that's that's kind of where I'll finish with them. You were saying over the last few years, it's always felt like we just have to look at that last piece to get around Jalen Brown and Tatum. And I've been wondering if they if they could get that, if there was a way to possibly get that. And when you get to the point where you kind of feel like there's not a way, especially with the Eastern get, East getting as strong as it is, it just kind of feels like, you know, there's, there's a time limit on those two. But I, I'm not rushing it. I'm happy with where they are this year. I'm happy with the in-season improvement. And, um, you know, hopefully they can, they can figure out something think- with the roster. Go ahead. Um, what's your quote-unquote price for, for uh, Marcus Smart? What would you... Have to get, <sighs> trying to give up <laughs> Marcus Smart. 
Gosh, man. Mark is smart. I wonder how much other teams... I do wonder how much other teams would value him. Because I remember the Timberwolves were actually interested in them, in him uh, this trade deadline. And uh, outside of Tatum and Brown, since I knew that they probably... Well, I knew they weren't trading Tatum. And I figured they probably weren't trading Brown. The, that's always been the hard part of this is, hey, if you want to get this team to a championship level, you're going to have to give something eventually because you're not, probably not going to be able to sign another star. I don't think there's another star that, that's just coming there. And so then your names do go to Marcus Smart, right? Immediately. That's one of the most important players on the squad. That's always where it goes. And I have and then that's when I kind of extended, man. I always extended and go, look, I, no, don't trade Tatum. Don't trade Brown, but also don't trade don't trade smart either but then i don't know how you get any better um but i'm not i'm not even sure though just smart by himself i'm not sure that that would net them the the piece that would move them over the top to a championship team and he's so important to what they do do you think there's a the, a piece out there that they could that they would get for him that would change that because that's why not i haven't really, wanted to let him go yeah not really a, uh, you know a piece but i wanted to ask you that because i saw a that um Marcus Mark is obviously a confident player. He can fire away, you know, even in transition, even if there's a better shot, possibly, he, he fires away. He's confident. But I saw a stat in the last, like, five or six years. He's consistently in the top 10 worst shooters in terms of field goal. Um, you know, high volume, shoot, higher volume shooters, consistently top 10 worst. Hmm. Well, that's why I said that's why I started off answering that question of I wonder what other teams value him at, because I feel like for the Celtics and, and what they do and even the defensive scheme that you were talking about that allows Robert Williams out from the side. I feel like smart is really important to those specific things. And he's been important to um, even in, in 2020 when they almost made the finals run. I feel like he was one of the most important players then. So. It's like you can be in a really important piece to a, a certain squad and to what they do, but that doesn't necessarily translate to a, a great price, you know, for think for reasons like you just said, something maybe a GM pull something like that out and it's like, oh, well, this is what we'll get for him. And it's not at all what what Boston would probably be looking for, which is probably why he hasn't been traded at this point. Um, but yeah, I right. mean, it, when, when it comes to offense it, with this specific team, I'm like, OK. You got Grant Williams having a great year from the three-point line. Got Tatum and Brown. You know what they're going to do offensively. Uh, even now, Derek White is contributing a little bit to it. I don't necessarily – the more shooting, the better, but I don't necessarily care about, you know, Smart being the most efficient scorer out there or the most um, – yeah, or, or the best shooter out there. It's like what other contributions can you get just little by little from other guys around those two? For this specific squad, and I don't think that results in um, an, an Eastern Conference run or you know anything like that. This will be a pretty in, important summer um, to seeing you know the the future of, of Tatum and Brown at this point. Because the thing that you're looking at now with your squad ceiling is the strength of the Eastern Conference. This team is or th this conference is ridiculously deep. As I'm just looking at the standings right here, uh, with the Celtics playing better, if Cleveland can ever actually get healthy which even without the health they stayed four seed the only team here that's like uh maybe it's a it's a weak link if you wanted to use the term weak link if you wanted to use that maybe you're looking at maybe some people would still look at boston but another name that comes up is toronto but after that bro it's the nets it's the bucks the cavaliers would be great <laughs> it's harden and Embiid on the sixers who that's looking really nice right now uh after two games it's the bulls and it's the heat 
this is stupid let's go ahead and open up the conversation to, to the rest of the east who excites you most in terms of a, a team that has the most potential in the playoffs you think we're after the trade deadline now the rosters are pretty much what they are who's really catching your eye i've always been interested in miami ever since they got, from the beginning of the season from when they got lowry and tucker that's a huge defensive lineup but um they haven't had an opportunity to really play together all all of the those key pieces as i i heard this on podcast actually recently in zach lowe's podcast i don't know if you if you pay attention to that podcast the the top five guys like the um, butler Adebayo, tucker lowry and i believe they mentioned hero i feel like they've only played like 80 minutes together <laughs> that's crazy that's crazy yeah and they have like crazy net rating you know defensively defensively they're one of two teams that have um, better like net rating against the top 15 teams than than the bottom which you know if if you're gonna uh, measure that the bottom 15 teams you're not gonna see those in the playoffs you know yeah. But against the top 15 teams, they have crazy results. And them and Dallas are the two teams that only have this type of positive rating. So, um, yeah, like to see them at full strength. And I feel like they are at full strength now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, since the since this is so wide open, I feel like everybody's taking the, the what do you call that, the safe choice of just picking the the bugs since hey at least we we know what we're getting with them but at the same time this season they've been i don't know hot and cold and you know losing to teams that they should not have been losing to and now the the last one the latest one was brooklyn at home yeah i don't know i don't know but yeah i love i love miami yeah but, you know, what do you think about philly though oh gosh so yeah we'll, we'll circle yeah we'll circle back to miami man getting james harden bro there's two versions of him there's the one that you can tell is clearly motivated to play and compete and the one that's not that sounds like something you would hear off like espn or stephen a smith but it really is because just two weeks ago when the thing when, when it was breaking down in brooklyn you could see a very very clear decline even in these two games that he's played for philly He's been better on defense than he was in Brooklyn just in these two games. He's had better activity there, which when you think of Harden, when you get traded to Philly, the first thing you that comes to your mind, well, maybe not the first thing that comes to your mind, but you do think about, okay, defensively, how does this hurt this team? Hasn't really hurt yet. Putting Harden in Embiid, I had to put question marks on it. The whole time I've talked about it, I've talked about, I've said question marks because I did not know which Harden was showing up. I didn't know if it was going to be the one that's been very streaky in Brooklyn and did not look fully healthy or if he was going to magically be healthy because I made it very clear. So, so my takes didn't age like milk. Made it very clear. If you get like Harden that Brooklyn originally traded for and you put him on Philly, that's an entire different ball game. You put the one that doesn't shoot well and, you know, can't really explode off the dribble, then I was, okay, okay, give Philly another year and let him get healthy over the summer. The hard that we've seen through these two games, it is, it's, it's magical and, and it's fit with Philly in every way, except trying to put him on the floor with an entire bench. That's something I think Doc needs to chill on because... Putting Harden on the floor, 
with four of the bench guys, with four Phillies bench guys, the bench is not that great. So I think they'll have to they'll figure that out over time. But just right now, Tyrese Maxey, who, gosh, Philadelphia really found a way to keep him and trade for Harden. He's playing beautifully off of Harden's activity, it's taking passes from him. That's the guy that you would originally or immediately think would struggle if you add a player like Harden who can tend to be ISO heavy. You look at uh, Maxey and say, OK, he spent this season on ball. Now he's going off. You think he would struggle right now to working beautifully for beautifully for him. Harden already saw, you know, doing what he does with assists, but then the pick and roll with him and Joel Embiid. So many options. They're already abusing that. I just saw a stat that before the trade, 42 percent of Embiid's uh, buckets were assisted since the trade. It's only been two games, but that number has jumped to 80 percent with, with James Harden. So it's having to work way less to get these buckets. And um, and yeah, both of them are getting to the free throw line like a million times a game. That's <laughs> the, new, the New York game that I just watched uh, shortly before this podcast came on. I swear they added like an hour of game time onto that because those two were, were getting there just automatically. But to be fair, the Knicks were fouling quite a bit. Um, yeah, so just a two game sample thus far. But if you get this hardened and it looks this good and it gets better and he and Embiid really figure out the pick and roll a lot faster than I thought they could. Because I always thought it was going to work. It was just about getting, you know, timing that before April. Man, Philadelphia jumps like they they really, really jump on my list. But yeah, I'm curious about your thoughts like before and after the trade as well. Here's here's one thing that jumps to me um, is the fact that is I want this to be the Philadelphia 76ers consistently. And I want to see this in the playoffs as well. I don't want this to be like the honeymoon period where, oh, it's all good. I'm going to try on defense. We're going to play this and the ball would move. You know, it doesn't stick because now it does not stick. That thing rifles through the perimeter from side to side. You know, it, whenever there's like a double team on Embiid, he gets rid of it quickly, you know, circles around, around the perimeter. Whoever is open shoots it, you know, and oftentimes they just find a way to penetrate all the way to the basket. And now all of a sudden Tobias Harris, who's like a, you know, people are iffy on him to, to be like a big piece for your team. Now he's the third, maybe on some nights, fourth best player to have that, that type of weapon, like basically 18 to, to 20 point score to have to be your third or fourth um, option. That's awesome. And Tyrese Maxey, I don't know why I'm, I'm hesitant about him. For some reason, I cannot define him. He's, I cannot find a position for him. He's what, like a wild card for me, runs around, you know, throws his floater. I don't know, before the trade, he was often like the, the point guard, you know, the, the prototypical point guard, bring the ball up and set the offense. But um, to me, the point guard should be a bit more conventional, find, find guys, you know, and, and not be he's wild to me at least he's a bit uh, unorthodox but he finds ways to be extremely efficient extremely productive for both his uh, himself and the team and i see the stats here he's shooting great like field goal percentage great three point he's awesome 40 percent and um they're they're playing quick especially now yeah especially now after the trade and um, wow, wow, that's that's all I can say. All I can say is I want to see this exact um, placed out in the playoffs. I don't want to see no ISO 
things, you know, because they can, they're great like this. They can function as a team. They don't need no and beat ISO, hard and ISO, you know, they, they, they're great like this. The good thing about that is it seems that they realized that Harden and Embiid, uh, it feels like they became best friends after one day, but the chemistry is building and you still do get points where maybe maybe some other action is broken down or Harden's on the court by himself because uh, it, right at the moment, rightfully so, Doc is saying, hey, uh, at all times, we're going to have either Harden or Embiid on the floor. So I think you see more of an ISO Harden without Embiid on the floor. When he's on the floor, yes. it's fully looking as if they realize what they have those two in a pick and roll you you can get so many teams in, in foul trouble i think they fouled both of the knicks big men out tonight and one of them got fouled out probably either very early in the fourth quarter or, or late in the third so um when you have two guys like that 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 draw fouls and you're putting them in those type of actions and the fact that you you don't it's not always a set thing. You don't always know what Embiid is going to do because he can shoot. Um, and then Harden, the generational passer, as well as with the floater, there's just an unlimited number of ways that those two can hurt you. So I, I doubt that you're just going to be seeing lazy ISO plays when both of them are on the court. I think that's more of just uh, something that'll be in the back pocket if, if they need it. To your point of uh, Tobias Harris. So that is a good point because he had struggled pretty mightily this year. Uh, they paid him a ton of money. He was getting booed by his own Philly crowd earlier this year because they have a crazy amount of money wrapped up in him and it just wasn't producing at that level. So he doesn't have to produce at that level one when you have when you have two guys like that. And then Tyrese Maxey, who's looking like a, the third best player on the team. I, I will say, and, and Doris Burke talked about it a good bit through a lot of the Knicks game, his most important role to me now is when Embiid is off the floor and you uh, and Doc Rivers figures out you don't need to put James Harden there with the entire bench. Maybe keep Tobias Harris out there with him. That's when it becomes really important because that's when he needs to be kind of number two again. As a Harden, is, and that's what's going to reveal itself over time is can he carry an entire just bench unit by himself? Uh, but he doesn't shouldn't need to. Again, when you have a guy like Tobias Harris making the money that he is and having the skill set, we know he he has somewhere in there. That's where his most important role is, is helping basically, you know, stagger minutes. And so once those two are done, you bring back Embiid and that's when he can just kind of do what he's been doing you know, up to this point in the season. He's really improved as a floor general as well. So uh, even if it is just just ISOs, he's done a great job finding his shooters. He's done a great job setting the floor as a center. That's a that's a really cool thing to see that's happening in the NBA these days, led by Jokic. Um, but yeah, aside from that, it's just that that makes the East even crazier than it was before this trade happened. Before this trade happened, you were looking and going, I did not have Philly as a contender before that. Um, with the roster they had, with the way that they played, uh, that, they were not a contender before that. They're they're a contender now that might finish first in the eastern conference so that's that's philly for you through two games um as far as it would go for for brooklyn they did win a game in milwaukee last night with just kyrie irving and, and even andre drummond who was making good defensive plays like go go figure with that he played a really important role in that win but how do you feel about what they have to put together here in two months? Because now we know Ben Simmons actually doesn't have a timetable for his return, if you heard. Uh, with the conditioning, yeah, with his back, don't actually know when he's going to return. KD should be back in like another week. And it's ambiguous as to when Kyrie is going to be able to play home games because 
Woj and uh, Shams just reported that that vaccine mandate is coming down, but there's like a caveat in there where we don't exactly know the date Kyrie will be able to play something with the private sector. I don't know. Um, but how do you feel about the, the push that they have to make? Because they'll end up. You, you said you like Miami. It, it's theoretical. Or it's a, it's a it's a hypothetical. Miami could end up playing an A-seeded Brooklyn yeah. in the first round, but all three of them could be there. So, what type of push do you think they can make after this trade? What type of push? Honestly, I'm not really following them uh, at the moment because all I know is I'm I'm seeing players like getting heavy minutes, like I don't know Cam Thomas, like. Um, I don't know, Kessler Edwards, those are players that are not going to be having, you know, like an important uh, role in the, in the playoffs when it's, when it matters the most. Um, but, um, I saw, I saw the schedule for them somewhere and they do have like a pretty heavy schedule ahead of them. And, um, it's going to be clutch for them to, to, for Durant to come back because without him it's going to be hit or miss and them actually stuck in the playing tournament at the end um i don't see getting out of it right now they're three and a half games but like the teams that they should you know get to get out of the playing tournament like boston milwaukee i don't think that they'll fall that much to to where brooklyn gets out of it so it's interesting this season is so wild both brooklyn and the lakers who we all thought are gonna be you know um prime candidates for for getting out of their conferences they all are pretty much stuck playing playing tournament so man but i don't know at this point it's all it's all like hypothetical when ben simmons comes back when katie comes back then how do they mesh there's a lot of things for them to to figure out to be honest um i would say that the things that they have going for them um, uh, and the Lakers don't is that this team is all comprised of shot makers. They have a lot of shooting on this team and um, I feel like the the shot making would beat any type of defensive weakness that they have, you know, or playing style weakness or, you know, basically what the Lakers are struggling with right now. You know, the Westbrook situation, you know, the mellow situation. But um, at the end of the day, when you have the shot making of Katie, of Kyrie, of Seth Curry, who people don't know is not a great shooter. He's elite, like elite shooter uh, and has been for the last, I don't know, four seasons, basically consistently above 40 percent. Um, So we might as well have. 1-8 matchup being Miami and Brooklyn and that's going to be a bloodbath. I don't even know what happens then. Yeah, because to the point about shot making, that's the thing. You have two of the greatest ever in terms of that with Kyrie and KD. And so even on a night like last night where the Nets come in totally depleted playing the defending champions, Kyrie can pour in a certain amount or hit the most insane shots you've seen to, to keep them in a game or pull them back into a game or pull you ahead just enough to win. But when you have that, that is a complete wild card that feels that not a hundred percent like it can overcome the, the mountain they're facing of getting guys back within probably a month of the playoffs and trying to go on a championship run. That seems like a, you know, a very steep mountain to climb, but still though, 
it's it's super unfortunate if you're a Miami Heat team to possibly having be having to face a Kyrie and a KD in the first round, which is again like it, it is hypothetical at this moment. They could still end up seven seed and, and you avoid that. Now all of a sudden the Chicago Bulls get you. Um but I also do think because of the time that these guys have missed, somebody like Cam Thomas might end up playing some important minutes. He's been able to to score in bunches since they've been so depleted. So these have been really good reps for him. And I am interested to see how much they would do someone like him in the playoffs. Even Kessler Edwards, Kessler Edwards defensively, I think, might end up playing a role for them. Um, well, like you said, with, with Seth, with with Seth, with Kyrie, with KD, that is going to give somebody hell in the first round because they're not, they're not, they're just, if they're healthy, they're not just going to roll over. And at that point, I am assuming you'll have some version of Ben Simmons defense and uh, with him trying to ramp up right now and he can't even get back on the court. I'm not sure how great it'll be since he's almost reaching a year since he's played. It's, it's getting close to that. I'm not sure what version of that you get, but that is just like that's just life in the east there's just nowhere to hide any team that you play is going to be a competitive series it's just how competitive is it going to be at this point if these are the eight teams that finish i i see the hawks are trying to sneak in as well and they would have to take one of these spots from somebody gosh the atlanta hawks would have to take a spot i just realized that because they're one of those late bloomers they've been trying to get healthy all year and now they are they still may end up making it and taking toronto out or something like that Man, that that's just gonna be incredible but you said you said you like miami i do too i've been pretty high on them the whole year despite not having most of their team together as you mentioned with that stat they've been able to hang on to this this first seed which is ridiculous they're 40 and 21 coming right behind them are the chicago bulls and i noticed you hadn't asked about them and they were not your favorite so what are you looking at in terms of, of this squad because they are also well, they're a game behind the Miami Heat. DeMar DeRozan is, is in the he's a fringe MVP candidate. It's not going to penetrate the, the top three anytime soon, but he's there. Uh, you, you've got shot making on that team, as you were just saying. Aldisunmu has come in, gave them great minutes. He's helped them defensively. And Vucevic is, it seems like he's starting to make shots at a, at a steadier diet. And they're still not healthy. They still don't have Lonzo Ball and Caruso. So I feel good about the Chicago Bulls. I just, again, with this conference, you know, who knows, right? talk about a refreshing team me and my friend we were like really stoked to see them from the start of the season it wasn't really like a slow ramp up and stuff like that they sneak it sneak in no right from the jump they they took that top spot top two top three you know they were always at the top and um it's so funny they they do it with my favorite shot the mid-range um they do it what's that What's that phrase against the grain? Do you say that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. By the way, for people that don't know, I'm um English is not my first language, so you often hear me stuttering and trying to um, compose myself. But yeah, um, I love the team. Although I don't think they'll be able to pose a big threat to one of the main main big dogs. But um, I just really love how they've been able to kind of insert themselves as a new team in the mix and talk about not being not being healthy they're, they're still without Lonzo still without Caruso and they've been hit with COVID with injuries um also Zach Levine missed a huge portion of the season as well so they've been able to withstand all of that and just stay at the top I don't even know how at this point and again whenever you don't know how check check defensive statistics 
and um, they play discipline, they play good defense, and um, that's one of the reasons as well. So, do you not give them contender status though? So, th- at this point, the seeding is is pretty much arbitrary because they could be second seed today, and they could a week from now be fifth. So. Uh, obviously just being first or second doesn't necessarily mean you are a contender but it, you you sound like you see them more as uh i don't know probably like a, a second second round team am i reading that right i make it seem that way although i i root for them to to kind of upset uh, a team but um i don't know if you saw last last night uh, memphis chicago um, they, put Desmond, they put Desmond Bain on, on DeRozan and he really got up into him. Um, he defended it great and DeRozan started off one for seven, one for nine. I don't, I don't really know the, the numbers, but some of those shots were looking ugly. And I was like in the playoffs when, when you're at the top of the scouting report and the whole team game plans around you uh i don't know if they got enough adjustments enough different looks to to throw at them you know because basically this team when it's you know when 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 the most important thing comes it's him or levine making shots and um i don't know if they got enough to to beat a team four four times out of seven i mean when we talk about miami when we talk about brooklyn when we talk about you know because when you put them side to side a lot of those teams are gonna have more shot making more bucket getters more you know yeah when you talk about putting them side to side that's something i had kind of been thinking about it's just certain specific matchups one that i'm looking at would be the second round of the playoffs at the moment uh, the way the standings are it'd be the bulls in, in philadelphia and i immediately get interested in a in a matchup that has in, in beat and vucevic for a series i think vuce has had been solid he's been doing something solid on on defense this year but especially when you now throw in the guy who can who can get Embiid really solid looks via pick and roll i'm oh, sorry uh, did i say lavina and bead yeah the guy that can get him bead solid yeah 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 that can get him solid looks via pick and roll that is going to be really interesting in a in a matchup um and and how much they go to that with chicago that's a question that i've been subtly throwing out there i hadn't been throwing it out there to just where oh is is the rosen gonna choke in the playoffs that's how a lot of people phrase it that's not really the question i've been asking i've just been going hey the the shots and i even made a video uh two days ago that's my latest video is is the rosen and some of what he did to the hawks and it's beautiful the mid-range is beautiful his his bag is is crazy deep i've just been so curious about it for the playoffs because it does seem like even when he creates space it is i don't know it it it's difficult, man. There's a reason that he's his game is sticking out more than pretty much you know anybody else in the mid range this year. He does some really really difficult things, and I wonder how far through the playoffs can you get off of that. There is one strain of thought where okay, if you send help to him or you send double teams or you have guys in help positions, he should have some shooters that that knock shots down as well. But I am curious about like you just said with the the Desmond Bain matchup last night. I know DeRozan eventually did get it going. He he finished decently when I first looked. I think he was like it was like something like one for twelve or something 
that's that's super uncharacteristic he's still finished in the 30s but but yeah he picked that up in the second half yeah yeah um, but talking about the the um, the double teams and stuff like that that's what memphis did bane was his primary defender but on the turn you know how he likes to back down and then turn on one side you know sh- shoot fade away on the turn they would send uh second defender adam um trying to make him make decisions and at the beginning he was kind of struggling you know making an adjustment finding the open guy and when he found when he found the guy uh, Memphis were quick enough to to rotate and make somebody else beat them. So that, that was a that was a good game plan for them. And I, I immediately thought, is is this how it's going to be in the playoffs? You know, because let me give you a nice comparison. Is this going to be a similar situation like it was with um, with Julius Randle? He made a bunch of shots last year in uh, in the season, most improved stuff like that. You know, and he was the the off of the you know throughout the league but then in that Atlanta series when the when the defense was focused on him he struggled both making shots and finding other guys and so I was like damn was this like a fluke and obviously with the Rosen I'm not I'm not in that camp uh used to be I gotta I gotta admit I used to be you know looking at this oh he choked he blah 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 but I'm not in that camp but it just at some point if they put double team on you you gotta make decisions you gotta find open guys you gotta provide for the team you know yeah for, for sure um to, to the point with with the Nixon Julius Randall first of all I hope for DeRozan's sake it doesn't turn into that because that would he'll never hear that he'll never hear the end of it um, but I'm, I'm counting on it not turning into that. Even if it doesn't look like it does in a regular season, I don't think it would get that extreme just because the, the Bulls are a lot more of an offensively talented team than that Knicks team was last year. So Julius Randle struggled finding guys, but I, I just, it, you know, having a Levine around you, having the Vucevic that actually makes three-point shots around you, that's where, you know, you kind of wonder will you get that consistently in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, just just having better pieces should you know make it so it doesn't fall apart to that level. But you raise a really good point with the double team so and the hawks breakdown i was looking at first of all the hawks aren't aren't so great at defense this year they've been getting better as the season has improved but one thing that you would see is they were kind of just showing they were just like lightly showing almost like they wanted a double team but they wouldn't really and this is coming from a, an average or a below average defensive team it's and it's in the regular season in the playoffs, like you said, when the guy's at the top of the scouting report, so specifically for DeRozan, you know that if all season he's been doing this for mid-range, you are right. They're not just going to sit by and lose because DeRozan just one-on-one your, your defender or just kept getting to the same spot. At a certain point, it'll be pick your poison and it'll be a part where the best defensive teams will want to turn him into a playmaker. So, okay, yeah, Levine is a good good shooter. He's a good shot maker. Yeah, he's going to do what he's going to do as well, but we're more comfortable with Levine getting a shot. We're more comfortable with Lonzo Ball getting a shot or Ayo DeSumo or whoever. You're, you're more comfortable with any of that than you are DeMar DeRozan looking at a guy that's lightly helping and then like dribbling towards him and stepping back and getting an open shot. I don't, I don't think the best defensive teams are going to let themselves lose that way. So yeah, it'll be a lot. Like you said, with Memphis, it'll be a solid decision. All right, we're coming at you. If you want to shoot over a double team, you can, but we're not going to lose because we gave you the same looks that you had the entire regular season. Um, and that's where it's going to fall on the rest of the bulls. Cause it's going to even more so than it does for a good team. Now that, that, that might deploy that type of defensive strategy, especially in the playoffs yeah it's gonna fall heavily on on 
you know, the ball coming to you, basically. Because the Atlanta Hawks tried to... It, it's... You can... They didn't really triple team him at the end, but they sent two double teams to him at the last play or one of the last plays. And then he found Ayo Desunmu. But yeah, it will be a, a ton of playmaking because, boy, if, you, if you're a, a top coach and you watch what DeRozan has done this year, you're like, bro, I, I'll, I'll, I'll lose to the Chicago Bulls. I'll be happy to lose to the Bulls, but it's not going to be because DeRozan hit the same shot uh, for four games to a series every single time. So that's um that's where I'm at with the Bulls. I still like if they made it there, they have the talent to. They have the, they're as talented as anybody in the East. They have the talent to get there, but I have to see yeah. it. I do have to absolutely see it play out. And some of these teams, again, um, mostly as defensive matchups, that's where I'm going to be really interested. It gets really interesting in a Philly and Bull series when you have like Caruso and Lonzo to throw at James Harden. Um, and then other guys on the bench are going to have to step up there. That It gets really. Did you have something you wanted to say? I think I heard you about to say something. No, no, no. I was just following what you were saying. Um, right. But. At the same time, did you mention what's your team from the East? Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, oh, 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 fan. No, not a fan. And, My team from the East, yeah. Uh, up to this point, honestly, I had been, and you brought up a good point, but I have been doing the safe pick of Milwaukee, despite them being where they are in the right. standings. I have been doing, right. I have been picking the safe just because I feel, and again, this is where the East just has so many questions. You can be safe in say Milwaukee, but also one thing that I believe is underrated anyways is them not having Brook Lopez. I feel like everyone has just kind of forgotten about him and and his role on what they did defensively last what they did defensively as a base last year. Um because he's been out because Bobby Portis is filled in with offense and even rebounding. It's like the existence of Lopez has been forgotten. So when you pick Milwaukee, it's safe because they're the champions and because there's the Eastern Conference champions. But it's also, um, you know, maybe not as safe for the reason of just trying to be healthy. And like you said, losing questionable games. I mean, 36 and 25 is, is not that impressive of a record. And caveat, they have been missing guys like at the beginning of the season. I think that's where a lot of those losses came from. Uh, they didn't often have the big three together. But still, uh, still trying to see. We've got streak. We've got streaky Chris Middleton this season. Streaky Chris Middleton is a thing you see in the playoffs sometimes. That's the one that we've gotten this season so far. Um, but it, to be honest, I feel like picking someone coming out of the East this year is really just every year. I guess it's somewhat of a guess, but especially this year, you could go Milwaukee. But I'm equally not as mad at you if you say Miami. If we get more. Uh, samples of Harden and Embiid I'm not mad at that point if you say it's the Sixers there's just uh, there's more than one good pick this year um but yeah it's oh, for uh, sure. good good change like 10 games from now if Philly go on like a crazy streak and we see what they're capable of doing you know what this duo can do together I can see a lot of people shifting to that side you know just picking picking them to go uh, yeah all the way. well yeah I will say the one thing that you absolutely don't want to happen if you're the Bucks, because a lot of the times a team comes in and they're their year off of a championship and their record isn't as good as it was the year before. It pretty much what you, like what you see with what's happening with the Bucks right now. What I will say yeah. is they don't want to. At this point, it's a dangerous game of them falling into the six seed. You get six seeded Bucks. Guess what you what you might get? You you might get Philly in the first round. You and Embiid plays Philly well. I mean, Embiid plays Milwaukee well. They still, in my opinion, don't have a guy that or nobody has a guy that can guard Embiid. But they don't really have great options. You just signed Ibaka to to try to help with something like that. They've ran through big men trying to figure out how to replace 
maybe not replace Brook Lopez, but just somebody to stand in his spot this year. And you're going to get into a series and you're not going to have him there. And Embiid is going to is probably going to eat in that series. So you don't want Do Philly in the first round. Do we status of Brook Lopez? We don't like really quickly. The last thing we heard was that first of all, he had back surgery. So to me, that meant he's not coming back this season. I have not heard an update on him uh, in forever. And the, when you type him in on Google, yeah, all you see is like, hey, when are we getting Brooke Lopez back? There's there's not really updates. There's not really solid updates. So, yeah, if you're Milwaukee, you don't want to you don't want to fall to six. If you're Milwaukee and end up playing one of Chicago, Philly or, or Miami, Um I think and this will be the last team we talk about in the East because we don't need to go through every team in the East. But when I said earlier, there's it, it's hard to call a team a weak link in the Eastern Conference. Among those upper teams, as good as Cleveland has been, and I'm curious about your thought about the, the Cavaliers this year, as good as they've been, if you're a contending team and you you, you know, fall to a certain spot, it, you really kind of, in my opinion, want that fifth spot. So you play them in the first round out of everybody you could get. Uh, it, like, let's take, for instance, Milwaukee being in that fifth spot where they are right now. Out of Sixers, Bulls, he you, you want to play Cleveland. I think pretty much any team that has to be in that type of predicament is is thinking that. Although when healthy, they, they've been good, and it's still not a whole lot better because they've been a very solid team to me. Um, here's the thing about them. To me, they're a great system team. The way the Phoenix Suns are, the way the Denver Nuggets are, they they play through a system. But at this point. Um, you know, even even though the system can get you uh, far, you still, at the end of the day, have to have players who, um, you know, when, when it matters, they can make the they can make a play. Okay, so okay, Garland has um, been like developing himself into a great player. Evan Mobley as well. You know, we see the rise of of the fro, my guy, um, Jared Allen, but um. That is not a caliber of player that you know these other teams have. That trio is not a trio that other other teams have. So although the system can get them far and has gotten them to like, are they fourth now? Where they at? Yeah, yeah they're fourth. Yeah, four. they're still fourth. Yeah, and so they have a great season. But each and every one of these teams, I feel like, wants to get into a matchup with with Cleveland, and that's nothing against them. You know they can they can prove that this is a great system that they can attract um, free agents. This is a great place to play. You know that's how Brooklyn started. If you remember a few years ago in that Philadelphia matchup uh, when they have Karis LeVert, they have D'Angelo Russell, Jared Allen. They were all young players up and coming who um, outcasts and other teams, and they found their um, their team here played well and all of a sudden Kenny Atkinson was a, was a coach so all of a sudden they proved that this is a um, great environment great team great system so now all of a sudden a bunch of players want to go there you know and you got a, a big three you know which has been broken up since then but but still you know you you want players to to see that this is a good team to play for and and to go there and then they're making a great first step but um, it's gonna take some time, and in these playoffs, I feel like it's a it's a huge step for them to even get there. So regardless of what happens, it's gonna be a success for them. Yeah, for sure. This season for Cleveland is successful already by any measure. Even at this point, yeah. they've been missing Darius Garland for a while. They're they're still where they are. Uh, 
they've had to fill in constantly. Karis Levert is now out. Uh, they've had to give Rondo minutes uh, and he, and let him just kind of do what he does as a as a veteran point guard. But they've had to to fall back not super far through the roster, but. Yeah, we just haven't really seen their their full team for a lot of the season. I mean, Sexton hadn't had been there since probably the the very beginning. So, for if for any reason that you could say they're a good team and all these things, if for no other reason that they have dealt with so many injuries, that's why you'd want to play them in the first round. And the fact that they, like you said, just, it's this is just a young team right now. It's just a very young team. Evan Mobley has a ways to go, even though he's he's gonna be great and he's good right now rookie of the year in my opinion on, on both sides of the ball um but it, if it comes down to when your options you, we talked about the options before and you just need to survive yeah g- give me cleveland in the first round even as a as a celtics fan who wants to see them advance further yeah hell yeah i would rather play cleveland just because that's going to be their first time there too for a lot of them anyways so you're gonna be playing one of the best players as a rookie if i want to advance to the second round yeah give me them I, that doesn't mean we'll beat them but for my best chance please give me the cleveland cavaliers but yes, uh, success successful season for them, um, and they've got something to build on. And like you said, it's a place that people are, will eventually want to go. Which you could never say that about Cleveland, unless it's LeBron James going back and forth there. Who who actually wants to, you know, sign there in the off season? Now that's a that's a thing that you could be looking at. So they pretty much round out what's interesting in the Eastern Conference. Um, we will because we spent a lot of time there so in the interest of time we'll just start looking over the west and we already talked a little bit about the memphis grizzlies so that that was actually of the little things that i had written down for you the memphis grizzlies were one because i am just super super curious about this squad on one hand and i made the video earlier in the season they strike me as how the the 2010 thunder were where they were super young super talented could probably beat a lot of you know teams in, in the other conference but in their conference it's okay there's a couple of squads where it's just going to be that that's just, that mountain's going to be too high to, to scale for the thunder it was the lakers at that point 2010 lakers even though they took them six games and could have really gone to a seventh however memphis man they the way they've been playing and the fact that you know jaw is where he's at they almost seem like a, a step above where the 2010 thunder were because I don't I'm I'm not saying that they can beat one of these top two teams in the second round because that's who they'd end up playing. But I'd be damned if I if I was super surprised if they did. If you gave them, you know, who knows what's up with Draymond Green right now. We'll have to see what what shape he comes back in. But if you get Golden State in the second round, who is who is really good. I at least wonder. I picked Golden State in that series. But boy, Memphis has has been great. Jaw has been great. And I am just really I don't know that I, I put a like I put on a lot of things. I, I put a question mark because one hand it's like, oh, that's just the young, exciting team that'll be here next year. On the other, it's like, damn, are they are they here right now? <laughs> and that's a great comparison with the OKC Thunder. But um, I feel like the the competition, not the competition, but back then the Lakers were like a clear cut favorite. Oh, yeah, they were. Um, now, this year. As we talked about um, the East, similar situation in the West as well. I don't know, an injury here and there. You know, Draymond Green has, has been out for a while. Now, CP3 with a thumb injury, and he's always injury prone. Although I would love for him to get a championship. But, you know, he always kind of gets a way to, to to get injured. Finds a way to get injured. So, I don't know. I, I told my friend last year after the playoffs, 
I was like, hey, Memphis, I love Memphis. And not because John Moran, but because the other guys like Desmond Bain, like Dylan Brooks, like, you know, all, all those other guys. And I was like, if, if John Moran takes the next step, which is like a natural next step, not, not a huge leap, not a, you know, something extraordinary. I did not even expect this. 27 per game, like that's crazy. Going going in the paint, leading the league in, in paint points. That means that dude is unstoppable. I did not even expect for him to be unstoppable. I was just going off of the, all of the other guys. I felt like the, the team is kind of complete. But um, they also deal with with injuries as well. Like Dylan Brooks has not been played has not been playing this season at all. Almost he played like 20 20 games. So I don't know when he comes back, but he's a huge part of the team um, offense, but also defense as well. He always guards the the best player uh, on the opposing team. So want to see him on the court. He's actually one of my favorite players. I like those type of gritty, you know, grinded out guys. Even though I maybe may have um, sounded like too critical towards Smart. He's also one of my favorite players. I like that type of guys, you know. Right. Yeah, no, it, it is the other guys, like you said, and specifically also a Jaron Jackson, who I still think has another jump to go, which is why I'm kind of holding out and being too excited about them. Because you come into next year, you, you have Jaws jump this year, which, like you said, it was 19 points a game last year, up to 27, just very elite yeah. score. Now that's a that's an insane, that's an insane step forward. Um, in another year where Jokic, Giannis, and 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 B didn't exist, like you would have him pretty high on the the MVP ladder with that with that type of jump. But then Jaren will probably take a I don't know if it'll, the jump will be that big next year, but he'll he still has a, a ways to go too. And then um, all of a sudden Memphis could be leading the conference. The what, what intrigues me so much with them is just the fact that at this point they will almost surely play Golden State in the second round, and that's the team that. And Golden State is is a better team. They have more championship experience. Obviously, yeah. you've got the better shooters. That's a and especially if you have Steph going the way Steph is going, that is a better team. It's just Memphis has never ever ever once cared about that when they've played them, and they've played them very well um, each time. Even coming into this season, they've played them. They've played them very well. And so when that playoff series does come up, I'm like, okay, I could I could see I could see Golden State take that taking them six games to to get rid of that team. Uh, once you get into playoff basketball and such, I could see that taking six games, but I also wouldn't be surprised if it became a real scare and ended up going something like seven. Unless Golden State just completely turns it on and becomes like Golden State like they were when they were healthy, then okay, this conversation is irrelevant if that ends up happening. Um, but they they do match them well, they do play them well. But I would say that that's there that that's where it would end for me. So for Memphis, if you stretched it and said. They upset the Warriors for whatever reason, whether Draymond wasn't as healthy as normal. Whatever ends up happening, they, they were all very close games. They did that. If the Suns are healthy, that's where I say, okay, the buck stops. Because the Suns, man, it, well, that's the big question, right? Like you said, Chris Paul with the thumb. There, There's always something wrong with them. There's always something wrong with Chris Paul when it comes down to it, and, and it's a championship run. However, just assuming and not being cynical, just assuming that's a healthy team, Man, the the healthy Suns would be hard for anybody to beat this year, and I'm not sure how, if you're high, how high you are on them, or if you feel like, oh, uh, you know, if they got into it with Golden State, Golden State would clear them. I'm not sure, but the things that they they've been able to do with also with people being out, 
and the pick and roll partners that they've, they've given Chris Paul this year, the improvements that they've made on the bench, the improvements that Mikhail Bridges has made, the reps that Devin Booker is getting in at, at point guard right now. I know they've they've now lost a couple of games. They just had to play Utah, but uh, Booker's having to <clears throat> try to step into more of a playmaking role while balancing his scoring, which I, I do think on one hand is kind of kind of good for him. We'll see how that translates when Chris Paul comes back. But yeah, a, a healthy Suns team just feels like a, a high mountain for most teams to, to climb this year. You know what's what's funny about them? They're like um, a flashier, more more talented version of the Spurs. This and nobody makes this comparison, but to me, in my mind, you know, they're a machinery. If you watch their games, like every every game is it's similar. They just beat beat their opponents by just having them option their options on particular spots and how they move the ball and how their play calls and their play actions put the it's like a tic tac toe when you have them beat on on two sides like they always seem to have their opponents beat on on two sides you gotta pick your poison with them and so either it's gonna be you know, get out on the pick and roll, and then it's a lob for Aiton, or like uh, drop, and then Booker hits a three, or like CP3 snakes the pick and roll, goes to a spot to the elbow, and raises up for a mid range. Like it's automatic. I don't know. And do you talk about how on, on them, big them since the beginning of the season to, to go to the finals? Uh, there was that stretch where Steph was unreal. And I was like, ooh, you know, the Golden State, I'm super excited about him, blah, blah, blah. And I flip-flopped. It was maybe a month, a period of a month. But right now, if, if provided that everybody's healthy, um, my team from the West are the Phoenix Suns. Okay, well, then that answers my question, because I was going to ask who you would pick in a in a series between them and Golden State, because they've also their matchups this season have been they've been janky. Guys have been missing uh, on Christmas Day. Obviously, Clay Thompson hadn't played and an auto Porter went off and ended up pretty much sealing the game for Golden State. And at that point, still, I don't think Steph had entered his major major slump yet. So we were going, OK, Golden State can beat the Suns like this right now. Suns don't stand a chance. Of course, there's been a lot more basketball played since then. Steph has been very off and on since then. He's I would say he's maybe trending upward now, but it's still not like it was at the beginning of the season, which is where I thought they were the clear cut favorites. The interesting thing in a Golden State and, and Phoenix matchup is I can't remember which game it was, which matchup it was with the Suns and Warriors, but the Suns went to Aiden hard to try to abuse that because there was a before that game, there was a thing people were going, oh, uh, this isn't like the 2000s. You can't just give the ball to your big and, and dominate. It's not going to happen. And then for like the first quarter or however long it was, like that. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly how it started was just Aiden. And then so. Yeah. I know a lot of Warriors fans were thinking maybe they would make a trade to get a big just to maybe try to plug that before it happens in a playoff series and they really try to exploit it. And that didn't happen. And Wiseman is back from the Santa Cruz Warriors that he's done some G League work, so he'll be back. But I'm not putting my hope in, in Wiseman being the big body that that slows down Aiden um, for, for the playoffs. So that becomes a, a real big thing. Like you mentioned with we were talking about the Chicago Bulls. 
<clears throat> certain things hit the top of the report. Top of the report would be, hey, we can get Aiden some some really good looks against this Golden State team. And I'm interested interested to see how the Warriors work around that. But a lot more factors still. Steph shooting, Clay Thompson, where he is uh, d- defensively by that point, I think. Because um, he, right. he, he's about, his offensive progression is about where I, where I expected. That is, in my opinion, the conference finals right now. I think it's kind of the clear-cut conference finals, save for a Memphis Grizzlies upset. So we'll end up seeing. But with both of them, it will literally just be health. Is Chris Paul actually there? And has he pulled his hamstring? <coughs> Excuse me. That's what it'll really come down to. Because if, you, if you know something's happened to him, then uh, you can go ahead and give that to Golden State. Phoenix is still a good team, but they're they're not the same team. Goes without saying, without Chris Paul. The Suns did play the Utah Jazz before we got on here. Simple question about the Utah Jazz. When Rudy Gobert has an undersized player sealed under the basket, do you think his teammates should be giving him the ball, or do you think it's fair that they look him off because he's not really a, a back-to-the-basket guy? Because I know I know you, you've had to have noticed this by now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's part of the reason why they have their... It's like It's not like an official beef with Donovan, but it's like a passive-aggressive type of, um, you know, movement. Ah, and he's not. He's not really a back-to-the-basket type of player. Um, and from that school that if you have a mismatch, you try to exploit it. Um, but at the same time, Donovan, you can, you can say that every every single possession, he can find a, a mismatch on the court and, and try to exploit um his way um i'm not really sure if i have a definitive answer for this i don't know do do you have like a particular were you expecting me to say something no no not at all i was i was genuinely curious because Uh i i I tweeted out a joke about it earlier and i got i got mixed responses because some people you know laugh at it and then some people say well hey even when they do when i have seen him with, with the ball with the undersized player he throws up some half-hearted hook shot or something because again it is not his game but it just it just stuck out to me because like you were just saying you could pretty much make a mismatch you could go to that ex- and try to exploit that mismatch anytime but teams are so comfortable doing it almost it feels like because they know he's not gonna get it um and specifically in the sun's game it happened two possessions in a row but the first one he had i believe it was jay crowder i mean he had jay crowder sealed sealed like under the basket i'm like okay uh, regardless of what you think about his back to the basket game if i get my i'm assuming he's seven feet something get my seven foot of the ball and he's got somebody almost half his size or uh, he's got a good amount of height on somebody i feel like i'm gonna try that more than the utah jazz do i don't want that to become the staple of my offense and i don't want to always look for it but it'll just be times where he has both hands up and there's no conceivable way the defender could could stop him then foul him or maybe get a lucky strip and it just feels like total disrespect for a team that doesn't feel together to me always. We hear these things. Uh, I've heard Rudy Gobert take public shots at his guys because they don't take defense seriously in his eyes. And then I know he's upset because a lot of the blame ends up falling on him when his perimeter guys get beat. And all of a sudden he's on an island. I think actually, you know, I was looking through your channel. Did you make a or was it you that made a video about Rudy Gobert or that, that might have been somebody else I was looking at you haven't made a Rudy Gobert defensive video have you about like switching or anything like that no no that wasn't you okay that was another breakdown channel I was looking at um but yeah no I wasn't expecting you to say anything in in particular there uh the Utah Jazz I I just don't really believe in them I didn't believe in them before this year and then coming in to, to where they are now I kind of feel like they'll end up 
you know losing the same way that they that they do most years and therefore five matchup right now would be the most interesting one it'd be dallas who they just played the other night where gobert actually had some solid defensive plays against luca when he had to switch on him yeah and he held he held his own luca was kind of convinced he pleaded that he got fouled multiple times <laughs> but i like the i like the defense that um gobert played and um yeah i wanted to see something about that because he often gets criticized not being able to stay on the floor against smaller lineups and stuff like that but i do feel like the a large portion of the blame is um should be on the perimeter guys i feel like they get beat really often and so he is on an island having to react having to to move and close out and he's not the quickest player you know he's a great rim protector but he's not really the the quickest player to move and close out like that for example like we talked that robert williams is he's not quick like that so um i feel like that's valid um point that um it's not only gobert's fault there is some blame to the perimeter guys i mean royce O'Neal often gets put on on the best offensive player and he does a good job he tries a lot but oftentimes he just flat out undersized right um you know he cannot really go against the the premier i don't know he can hold his own against booker who's his type of size but um you know they put him on like every team every team the best player he guards whether it's durant whether it's you know you name it mm -hmm. he guards him and Boyan bogdanovich is really too slow really yeah. too slow to operate on the perimeter and a large portion of the of the defensive breakdowns and the penetrations happen on him so where do i see them that's like a has been my team similar to how boston were my team last couple of years you know i love the the jazz but man i don't know this seems like another first or second round exit for them and the thing uh, a lot of people are well versed on how gobert gets put on islands and in, in pick and rolls or when a guy gets beat um, and how much he'll struggle against quicker guards because yeah he doesn't have doesn't have really quick feet which is why it's it, you know it's cool to see a utah and dallas matchup because luca doesn't really pride himself on being so so quick a lot of his thing mm -hmm. is strength and craftiness so gobert has the length and, and lateral movement to be able to you know, maybe at least stick with him some plays luca's still gonna score sometimes he's gonna step back and hit a three sometimes that'll happen but that that would be very interesting from a tactical standpoint the problem is you say okay a team like the clippers last year you remember I think it was the game that they beat the Utah Jazz and Gobert got blamed and they said Terrence Mann scored 40 on him. It's not necessarily what ended up happening. What ended up happening is they kept him out of a lot of the actions that he gets abused on and they had him helping. Like, like you said with Robert Williams in the corner, they essentially had Gobert in the corner on Terrence Mann. But again, his guys were getting beat. So Rudy Gobert is like shifting into the paint and he has to like split the difference between shifting into the paint and trying not to give a layup and also getting back as quickly as he can to the corner. Uh, so that ends up getting put on him. And again, his feet aren't that fast. So yeah, it's a, it's a great strategy to draw him into the paint because you know he can't close out quick enough. He can't tag the paint and close out quick enough. That's a hard job for anybody, but especially for Rudy. Um, so there, there's just a lot of ways to exploit the Utah Jazz in, in general. So 
first or first or second round out for sure and we did you said something about the dallas mavericks at the beginning yeah you, you actually talked about their defensive um i think you talked about their defensive efficiency at the beginning yeah. but before before i get to that like because it is kind of tied to it uh what was your thoughts and this is kind of late but i am interested to hear somebody else's thoughts on it who, who really breaks this stuff down did the trading of Chris Porzingis for for Batons and Spencer Dinwiddie did that make sense to you or what did you make of it look initially it did not um I however it did not work or not work as as they expected you know I felt like the price were that wasn't good that wasn't a good treat for them Talk, talking to my friend he made an interesting case he was like okay this doesn't work let's open up the the floor for for luca let's he's the most by far the most efficient player let's give him the ball give him more 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 time with the ball to create then you have another creator with the ball in spencer denway um you know he can he can that's what the dallas mavericks needed actually another creator um, when Luca went to the bench, their their whole team kind of broke down, and they're pretty much unwatchable. If Luca doesn't play, you cannot watch the Dallas Mavericks. You know, um, they needed another creator. They got it in in Dinwiddie, and also they needed shooting. Ever since they traded um, Seth Curry, they needed shooting. Bertans did pretty much suck for like a season and a half two seasons <laughs> but hey how about similar to ben simmons how about change of scenery how about a reset at, at, at his score he's a shooter right so put him put him on the wing put him in the corner give the ball to luca let him attract a few players kick it out you know and see if that player can kind of come back to to where he was shooting the ball not not as too much of him don't have him running off of double stagger screens, you know, from side to side, which is what he did a lot in in Washington. And when they gave him that contract, they gave him a, a, a lot of responsibility as well, you know, um, put him in different actions, put him running from side to side, you know, off of screens, stuff like that. No, just put him stationary in a spot, you know, just be ready to fire, get the kick out and, and fire away. And it got me thinking um shout out to my friend he made a good point and um i don't know we i feel like we kind of saw what was their ceiling with Brazingis, and now i don't know if that if that's much higher but i feel like i don't know it's 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 better at the end of the day, it's better. Let's say that. Right. So basically what you're saying, uh, what I've heard through this is maximize Luka Ball. If, if you're going to play into that, maximize yes. it as much as you can, because the reality yeah. is the Mavericks are not a championship team. They don't have a, a second star with Luka. They're not a team that's at that level. Uh, and they're probably a first or second round out. Probably you know, it could be a first, depending on, um, you know, if they fall to six, they're most definitely a first. But mm-hmm. yeah, so you, you know, okay, I could see it from that perspective because I had questioned it. I knew I knew that Porzingis was important to the to the rim protection. And I knew he wasn't shooting the ball that well this year, and for a while, people have been saying, "Hey, get him more post ups and all these things." But reality, I guess, being at Porzingis at the level that he was after these injuries and such, 
that is the Porzingis you're getting. That's the ceiling with with Luca Ball and, and him on this Mavericks roster. So let's free that up. Let's give Luca maximum space. And let's just try to do that until something better comes along, like in the summer or another move becomes available. I can see it from that perspective. Because one way or another, like you said, it doesn't it doesn't change a whole lot. Maybe it maybe it'll work out to where they have a, a better bench unit or at least something off the bench without Luca on the floor, as you said. Uh, over time, maybe Bertans becomes uh, from the open shots he gets. Maybe it works out better for him. But one way or the other, yeah, the Mavericks just have to eventually get Luca something different. But okay, I, I having it explained that way, just Luca ball basically, because that's what that's what happens in the playoffs. It's Luca ball. Um, even though yes. Jalen Brunson has been good too, I don't want to sleep on Brunson this year. But Brunson is not your number two on a contending team. He's just been their second best player for for pretty much the the year. As we start to wrap up um i'll just we don't have to like talk in depth about denver or anything but immediately the mvp comes to my mind who is your who's the who's your mvp so far like right now who's the mvp of the season for you man it's gotta be it's gotta be between Jokic and, and Embiid, but that's not that's like an answer um yeah because i got asked the same question and it, it is very hard it, it's it's super difficult it's very hard, and I feel like it's okay if we don't have a definitive answer. Like, my definitive answer is between one of those two players, and it's pretty much going to go down to, like, April for us to see if, I don't know, if one player has a has a strong ending or, a, you know, rest a game or two here and there, injuries, and stuff like that, because I feel like people put, some people put Embiid way higher than than Jokic but when you compare their numbers and the team record it's it's right there it's neck and neck that's all I can say I'm I guess what I'm saying is I'm making a bigger case for for Jokic for people to to notice Jokic um you know when you look at the standings they're six in the west and Philly is number three but wins and losses they're right there you know, within within one or two games. Yeah. So when you when you look at it like that, they're neck and neck, and Jokic's numbers are crazy. Let me let me pull it up real quick here. Jokic, you got twenty six. You got eleven. You actually got 13. 26, 13, and eight on crazy high percent on fifty six percent. Like that's monster. Yeah, that's almost triple number, uh, triple double numbers. Right. Yeah. No. One hundred percent. And Jokic this season, I, I say he's got to be the most consistent player in the league, if not the most consistent superstar in the league. And to your point about the records, I won't even lie. That is a part that I have stupidly been been lapsing over for most of this because a lot of it has just been catching my eye. Saying, "Hey, first of all, it's it's just we all know how hard it is to repeat as MVP." So I think in that way, the seeding does kind of end up mattering a little bit just because it's already you're already at a disadvantage when you're trying to win your second straight. So him being six and then another guy like Embiid finishing first, I feel like just at face value, that might count for something. But you are right. That is a it's a thousand percent worth mentioning that the Denver Nuggets are 35 and 25 and then the Sixers are 37 and 23. So that's a two game difference. The top of my head, if you're comparing him to as an MVP candidate to Giannis, who Giannis is behind, clearly. 
uh, right now uh, on the ladder, but it's almost identical. Bucks are 36 and 25, uh, and, and they're fifth. So it's it, even in positioning, it's not that it's not that much different. Um, so it started, it, like you said, it could be different. And maybe the Bucks go on a win streak and Giannis ends up leapfrogging. But the the team records, it, this is a pretty close race, and specifically between Embiid and 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 Jokic, I think there's time for Giannis to to leapfrog, like I said. But it, how about this though? Go ahead. Um, sorry, not no, go ahead. How about the the when we compare the supporting cast of Philly and uh, Denver, the the amount that Jokic has had to carry? Yeah, yeah. So somebody even somebody asked me on uh, the Twitch show that I do that I think it was going to end up mattering about Harden getting traded to Philly and how would that impact Embiid's MVP? And so that's mm-hmm. where it starts to get murky because on one hand you will look at Jokic who has a very close record to Philly and you'll say, hey, Jokic hadn't had another star player. You take him off the floor, you don't even have MPJ or, or Jamal Murray there. I have said to be fair to Embiid, he hasn't you know, been. They just basically had the roster that they had last year, and they just took Ben Simmons off of it. Ben Simmons hadn't been there for majority of the year. Now he's played two games with Harden. I am really interested to see how that ends up affecting it, because on one hand, I don't see them penalizing Philly if, say, they go on a 10-game win streak from here. They're on a three-game win streak now. They've won two with Harden. If you end up going on like a 10-game win streak and and take first in the East solidly, I don't think that voters are going to penalize Philly too hard and give it to a, a, a Denver team that's a little behind unless they keep pace if Denver keeps pace with them record wise but if, if Philly won 10 straight they wouldn't they wouldn't keep pace that, that's a that's a factor that's a factor that I'm interested to see how it's going to play out because Harden on one hand is going to be a positive that the Sixers are probably going to win more but then on the MVP case it's going to be hey look what Jokic has done if their records are still close by the end and Harden has been there then all of a sudden yeah it, it really does it starts to maybe even favor Jokic at that point because Harden being there will probably be used as a as a hit on on what they're doing um but I think I think Philly will probably end up uh, taking off a little bit from here but it gets interesting it's like you said look it's because of things like that it's gonna land on one of those two probably by the end of the season and we have from here it's just kind of impossible to tell if you wanted to end the race today and just look at the ladder I, I think they it looks like they would give it to Jokic but it'll totally depend on a lot of the factors we just discussed and you, you can't see those from here there's just way too many question marks and the nuggets are gosh are they gonna get Jamal Murray back this year I just thought about it we're almost reaching that year mark um from the ACL so they also may end up getting Murray back, uh, like right before the playoffs or something. But it, you know, you're gonna have to acclimate him anyway, so not a hundred percent sure. Like to come back. I think so. Yeah. So there's just a lot of things that we can't see right now, but it's a it's a it's a tight race, and it'll just have to work itself out. At the, I, I normally on my podcast, I've always kind of talked about the Lakers just because they've been the lightning rod this season, and it's been. It's been interesting to follow, uh, but at this point, I'm I'm like, look, from I don't know where you stand, but for me, I've now officially after the latest Anthony Davis injury, I've been able to kind of write them off in my opinion. I I've written the Lakers off. I just don't I don't see it in terms of chemistry, in terms of defensive chemistry, in terms of health, in terms of roster fit. I just don't see one reason to really take them seriously enough to keep discussing in depth honestly but you know i hadn't talked to you about them before i'm sure you uh, have had a field day with with this experiment that has been the los angeles lakers uh, i'm trying to find it i made a video a while back where the, the westbrook video uh no no no, no, no. about this season 
that uh, was okay. pretty infamous at this point. Yeah, but in this season, <laughs> I feel like almost a month ago or something, where I basically write them off. Mm -hmm. I'm saying at this point, I just yeah, I don't consider them to be favorites or even contenders or what have you. Um, I don't see fit in in the roster. I don't see them playing defense. I don't see them play organized defense even. You know, all of it is kind of sort of like uh, like a gym basketball. What do you call that? Uh, just five on five in a gym, you know, um, rec league or stuff like that. Every, whoever wants to get the ball gets the ball, fire, fires away. I don't know. They haven't been able to to kind of insert Westbrook in into this team the way they. We wanted to see it. There was one game against Utah. I feel like it was the last one before the break or the the one before that, where I saw some things. I saw a lot of cutting off the ball when Westbrook had it. He wouldn't um, settle for his dumb uh, off the backboard jump shots. You know, <laughs> um, he would attack. You know how how the the defender gives him a cushion. So he has to shoot it. He would attack the cushion, and at the same time, a cutter from the opposite side would cut to the basket. So he would go and dish it out to a cutter, LeBron or whoever. Boom, dunk. I was like, okay, this is this is interesting. I see something here, but um, I wanted to see if it's sustainable and how they continue. But ever since the um, the break, you know, they they played the Clippers. They lost. Yeah. And was there a, another game? Was it or not? Oh, um, I'm trying to because because actually it's funny. The Clippers is where where I was gonna go. The Clippers game is where I was gonna go. So it kind of blocked out in my mind if there was another one to to talk that about. That was a circus. That was a that last few minutes. Wow. That yeah. Was crazy. Like being down one point and not a lot of movement. And then Carmelo Anthony takes a contested bomb as if he didn't know what the score was. It's like, they, I don't know if he thought they needed a three, but they were down by one yeah. and he took a, a super far shot. But even worse than that, though, what's happening in that Clippers game, Taylor Horton Tucker just basically switching on guys that didn't need to be switched onto on on off ball actions so like the infamous one is that that it left robert covington open for a three um i think hardenstein kind of dived down to the or he was going to the baseline or the middle or wherever but lebron took that because that's what lebron does a lot he roams and you know he'll switch so he doesn't really have to be on ball so that was lebron's guy but then Taylor Horton Tucker just kept following him. There was zero communication at all there. And Rocco just has a, an open three. It's the easiest bucket the Clippers will probably have this season. I was just like, on top of every problem the Lakers have, I don't want to hear anything about how they can upset a team as an AC because of LeBron and AD. Because AD at this point, even when he does come back in a month or a month and a half or whatever, you, he came back nicely from the last injury. He was actually playing really good. That's where I, that's why I wouldn't officially close the door on them. I have thought their season has been over, but at least Anthony Davis came back and I was like, oh, okay, I can see how LeBron and AD in the first round, if you're a first or second seed is annoying. I don't think you could beat them, but I can see how it's annoying. Now he's rolled his ankle the other way, all the way over. He's hurt again. Uh, there's just, they don't have a lot of practices from what i've heard i can't remember if it's practices or shoot arounds or whatever it is they haven't had a lot of time this year to gel at all it's um 
Yeah, it's a, it's a failed experiment at this point. It's a completely failed experiment. They're stuck in the play-in. They are stuck. Like, they're seven games behind 16. Yeah. They're stuck. So it seems that they'll it'll be some assortment of being able to play the Portland Trail Blazers, the Clippers, or the Timberwolves. The only team that I would look and say, all right, I'm I'm 100% sure they should beat this team, and I'm still not sure if they would in a play-in game is the Portland Trail Blazers. Like, that, that should yeah. happen. That should happen. But other than that, they haven't beaten the Clippers, even healthy. And they've had guys like LeBron and AD that hadn't beaten the Clippers. And being, uh, I don't know if they've beaten the Timberwolves, but the Timberwolves have beaten them. And the Timberwolves are a solid squad, too. They could lose in the play and not make the playoffs this year. That That is conceivable. Uh, and then they're going to get to the offseason. And, you know, that's going to be fun. That's going to, don't, I don't know how they really find the, their ways out of this. But, yeah. Can I make a prediction? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, depending on what happens until Anthony Davis comes back, Let's say they kind of uh, play like a hot and cold type of basketball, are not able to get out of this playing stuff, which they won't be, or even fall back a little bit more. I can see LeBron kind of saying, "Oh, I injured my back. I need to, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take like a two week, three week, which becomes end of the season type of injury." Oh gosh! I see that. I can totally see that because I see him now, kind of slowly losing interest, uh, sending cryptic messages. You know, uh, hey, ending in Cleveland is not. I'm not writing it off. You know, I want to play with my kid. Whatever, whatever. You know, uh, saying that he would love to have Presti as a GM. Like, what is that? I'm like, oh, I can see him. I can see him having an injury. Um, anytime soon if if you remember that that's what happened the first year with um with the young guys with uh, kuzma with ingram uh, there was a point in the season where he started losing interest and i have a video about that you can see him um sleeping on defense you know lacking effort you know um not helping not not being engaged and at the end i feel like he ended the season with some sort of injury I cannot really remember but I have a video on him looking really disinterested right. there's particular clips where he doesn't care about the game and um, I can I can see that happening um, him having some sort of injury phantom injury We'll we'll see if that prediction comes true. I I'm gonna you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say I think he's gonna go down with the ship. Uh, whether it's a playing game, I if it does happen, if there's something like oh out for two weeks and it turns out he's because at that point if LeBron went out for two weeks now all of a sudden you're looking at them maybe even falling out of the the play in at that pace that that could yeah yeah so then that would end their season if he were to have some but I, I think he's gonna go down with the ship. I think he's gonna stick around uh, play a. a a hard-fought play play-in game. I hope so. I mean, I don't want to see, I don't want to see LA in general, but I really don't want to see them without LeBron and AD right now. They will just, they might not win another game if if that ends up happening. Um, but no, we will see. And just outside of the play-in, just so I give the San Antonio Spurs some love, I did see a video. I don't know how old the ch the video is on your channel, but were you were you giving Keldon Johnson some love as a shooter? Is that what that was? Oh, for sure, for sure. That's um. A month old, I believe, at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, so, well, it's probably still accurate, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to get because I the San Antonio Spurs are not done yet. I was talking about Portland Trailblazers and a play in, but they could still lose that spot to the New Orleans Pelicans, who have CJ McCollum rolling right now. Um, he came back from that collapse lung beautifully, and it's it's he's been playing great basketball next to Ingram. Also, the San Antonio Spurs are a half game out behind them. At that point, yeah, the Kings, at, I, I don't know if they're, I don't think they're making a play-in run. So shout out to them for trading Tyrese Halliburton for a run at the play-in that might not even happen. Um, but I but I do like Senna, I, I do like the Jonte Murray and, and Keldon Johnson a lot. I feel like, especially Keldon Johnson, I feel like would be slept on because if you hear anything about the San Antonio Spurs, it, it's Murray who has a, who has yeah. a near triple-double yeah. average. But Johnson is a dog too, so it's going to be interesting to see how they... How they end up building around that going forward and, and hopefully not losing it. Well, that'll pretty much wrap it up here. Um, because the as far as like awards, everything starts to feel a little bit clear cut, as in rookie of the year, Josh Giddy is moving up. He's 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 improving his offensive game, so that's happening ahead of schedule. But I still think Mobley will handedly end up with the uh rookie of the year being on a team that's gonna be a top four seeing the east and how big of a role he plays in that that seems like it's it's more or less wrapped up we, we talked about the mvp um defense do you have a do you have a defensive player that you're marked up by any chance honestly no yeah honestly, I, and the only reason i thought about that is because i kind of did skip, as we end i kind of did skip over that with the mavericks that was my second question was about them defensively because you mentioned the defense at the beginning and i was thinking about how that roster doesn't really have guys that you look at and say oh yeah this is a this is definitely going to be a top defensive team and then they've gone out and been what top five in defensive rating this year so was, was there anything in specific that had stuck out to you about their defense explaining that or not so much not so much i feel like um you just buckled down and people are talking about um, um, Luca just taking bigger responsibilities and hearing the criticism and stuff like that, taking a bigger role as a leader. But um, other other than that, I have not seen. It's mostly team based. Um, you know, I haven't seen like a like an individual really stepping up. Um, but um, yeah, it's mostly it's mostly since. Since Luca stepped up his game, I feel like as a team they they they've gotten better. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely it's it's fully team schemes within. It's a lot of scheme stuff for the Dallas Mavericks. I just that's been the most fascinating thing for me this season is seeing how high they've they've made it on defense. And uh, I like a guy like Josh Green. I thought he would have potential as a three and D guy, and they're using him more, but um, specifically. Just with with what they've been able to do with, with five guys to to make a defense like that, it's interesting because then the offense, you know, obviously it's 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 not there because it's Luka Ball. It's it's not it's anywhere near as high. So that puts the Mavericks in an interesting right. position. But either way, that'll that'll wrap up the pod, man. That will wrap up the pod. Heat check. I appreciate you for coming on. This has been a fun about an hour and a half, an hour and forty minutes. I'm talking a little bit about the 2022 season as we pretty much start to head to the end here. A lot of these squads have played 60 plus games. It's not a whole lot left, um, <laughs> which is crazy because a team like Brooklyn pretty much has to put together their entire run now from here to however far, however far they go. Uh, and, and then we've talked about Harden and me figuring it out. It's going to be fun, but yeah, definitely. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me and shout out to the viewers for putting up with my um, um, broken sentences and having to compose myself and stuff like that. Hopefully, I, I wasn't too unbearable to listen. 
But um, yeah, thank, thanks for having me on. And again, I, I gotta stress it, as soon as I handle my, my things around the studio with the technical stuff, I think you're coming on, on there. Uh, we'll figure out a nice, nice collab there. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, for the audience, for you guys listening, definitely check out. If you don't know, it's Heat Check. It's your ch- your full channel name is Heat Check NBA, right? Or is it just Heat Check? No, Heat Check NBA is the Instagram. Um, <clears throat> just Heat Check for YouTube. Okay. Heat okay. Check and you'll find it. Okay, cool. Yeah, hundred percent recommend his videos. It's one of those channels where you could learn a good bit while also being entertained. That's how I've been since I found him. So appreciate y'all for listening. God damn it, I forgot at the beginning of the podcast to say it's on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and to rate it. Every time I say forget to rate it, people don't really rate it. Whatever. Y'all have been cool with the ratings though, so I appreciate you. And I will be back next week. Thank you for listening.